Hi, everyone. I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 29 of Yoga Land. Happy holidays. This is our super fabulous year end roundup and are looking forward to the next year. And I'm sitting here with my husband, Jason Crandall. How are you? I'm good. He's sipping tea too, in case you hear him sipping. Sometimes on other podcasts, they joke about how they're sipping whiskey and they're sipping scotch. And that's not us. We're just no, sipping just tea. White, white tea. The most <laughs> or the insipid tea that could possibly exist. <laughs> actually, at least it's actually tea, not an herbal tea. Ugh. No, it's a, that's a delicious tea. It is a delicious tea. It's the Danish tea, it right? Is. Yes. It is. It is. Yes, yes. Yeah. Fancy Danish tea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So where should we begin? Do you want to start by asking me? Yeah, well, what we thought we'd do is... That we do a bit of a wrap up from 2016, look ahead to 2017, look at some of our professional highlights and some of the challenges that we've had, both professionally and then any sort of personal stuff that we want to talk about that's that's not overly indulgent and still somewhat relevant to... Do you want me to go get my journal? <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. Do you still have a journal? No, I don't still God. keep a journal, which is... I you mean... have a podcast instead of a journal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So anyway, so I actually want to start by asking you a question. You've talked a little bit about it on um, in one of your episodes, but I want to ask you, 2016, one of the big things that you did was you inaugurated this podcast, and it has engaged a lot of readers, or a lot of listeners, I should say. As I continue to travel around, I have a lot of people in the second half of the year that have told me to tell you thanks, and that they really love your honest, straightforward thoughts and approach to having a, a modern, honest conversation in yoga sphere. So the question I want to ask you is, how's it come? Why'd you do this? Oh, why did I do it? Oh my gosh. Because you had been a really prolific writer Mm -hmm. and a really prolific editor, Yeah. but but you made a shift to audio, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is a bit of a shift because it's more more live. Yes. Right? Whereas Mm -hmm. most of the content that you've done, it hasn't been live. Mm -hmm. And so you've had a lot of editorial review where in some ways this is, does this feel a little bit more raw? Why'd you do this? Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's several reasons that sort of came together all at once in terms of, yeah, making a switch from writing to pot, you know, to podcasting and doing audio journalism, you know, to be quite honest, after having a child and, going through breast cancer treatment, I feel like I lost like half my brain cells. And it's really hard to get the continue, continuous amount of time I need to do feature stories right now. So that was becoming really clear to me is that to do spe- feature stories, I was having to like tell my daughter to go away and leave me alone. Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't really say that to her, but but you know, it was just really challenging to get that block of creative time. And I still wanted to be really creative. And so part and parcel with that is that the reporting part of writing is always something that I've really loved. Once I got over the initial anxiety about cold calling people and just randomly asking them questions in their field of expertise, I just became fascinated by it. It's just such, it's such a treat to be able to call people who are really good at their field and pick their brain and talk to them. And so, you know, what I said in an earlier podcast, which is absolutely true, is that I would often talk to people when I was at Yoga Journal, um, you know, high level 
longtime yoga teachers, Judith Lasseter, Rod Stryker, Matias Rati, Jason Crandall, Sean Korn. And I would get off the phone with them and I would feel so energized and I would feel so just, yeah, intellectually stimulated and optimistic and and also re-inspired in my practice. So that was the other part of wanting to do the podcast is like, I constantly need inspiration. I don't go to church every weekend. Yoga is my church. It's how I remember the wholeness of who I am. And so I need to connect and remember the things that I love about it and not get cynical about it and not get cynical about a scene, a yoga scene or or an Instagram scene or whatever. So I wanted to just create that so that I could feel inspired myself and then inspire others too. Yeah. So I think two things that come up. One, you said early in that answer, journalism, right? So it's sort of interesting because when I think about you professionally, I think about you as a content creator and I think about your skill set as an editor. And I forget that you have a a love of journalism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? And I love people's stories. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, okay. So that's, so that's Mm -hmm. sort of interesting that you love Mm -hmm. people's stories that, that it isn't just that you like to write about or edit stories about how to do triangle pose and rotate the head of the femur, blah, 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 blah. Mm -mm. No, 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 no. I've always, I mean, I didn't go to journalism school, but I, I really, you know, I learned on the ground at yoga journal for a really long time. And I always knew, even though I didn't go to journalism school, that I loved people's stories and that I would be like helping people tell their stories in one way or another. When I was really young, I wanted to be a documentarian. You know, I wanted to do film. So I also, you know, when I was in college and I was an American studies major, you know, we did a whole thing on oral histories because that's like a real American history kind of thing. So yes, I I like to hear people's stories. I just think it's, again, it's how we connect with each sure. other. It's how we remember that we are basically all the same. We all, you know, come from the same issue. We have the same issues and challenges and we all want to feel love. We all want to be loved. <clears throat> we all want to be witnessed. So the second part that sort of comes up and I'm going to try to, you didn't say, say it in a tangled way, but what's happening in my head is it's a little, it's getting a little complicated, which is. You talked about having this podcast as a means of maintaining your inspiration for your yoga practice Mm -hmm. and to minimize some of the cynicism that can creep in. Mm -hmm. This is a really important point. You know, I teach all of these three-day teacher renewal programs. And one of the things that happens for yoga teachers, and we've talked about it on this podcast, is that oftentimes teachers get blindsided with the reality of being a yoga teacher and it's a little bit more complicated and frenetic and emotionally complex than people think it's going to be and as such i think two things happen one their own personal practice ironically trails off right because their their yoga practice which once was just this pure sanctuary becomes let's just say it becomes more complicated Mm -hmm. it isn't as I don't want to say it's not as pure anymore, but it's not as simple as it once was. And then the second thing is, as yoga teachers, I, I see this happen. I see this happen with me. I see this happen with with really almost everyone I know is we get pulled into focusing on some of the aspects of being a modern yoga professional that we don't necessarily mm-hmm. love, and we can easily get cynical about it. Mm-hmm. The big thing that jumps out for me is social media. Now, again, not to bash social media, but I, I think a lot of times... 
yoga teachers spend more time doing social media than they want to, and they never feel like they're doing enough or well enough. So one of the things that I always try and coach people up on is to have people really focus on what they want to do and create the thing that they want to create, mm, yeah. which is a little bit your there's a little bit your narrative of instead of just getting pulled along and engaging in the yoga space in a way that you don't really want to, you have created your own vehicle that is that is a direct reflection of who you are and what you want to be able to do. Yeah. And that's really important. It's really important. And, and has it, do you feel like it has, that, it's, that it has lived up to the billing of helping you stay inspired with your own practice mm -hmm. and with your <laughs> own, um, not just with your own asana practice, but with your own sense of personal reflection and, and, and embodiment? Yeah, definitely. I think the biggest surprise for me has been just the response in the community. And this is where social media is actually an awesome thing. Sure. When I was working at Yoga Journal, you know, I was not at all on social media for Yoga Journal and I was even there before it existed. So we would, you know, work so hard on these stories and on these issues and we would like sweat over every photo and every this and every comma and every that. And then we would, it would just go like... <laughs> out into the ether and we would just hope that someone felt something right. about it. And so I think the biggest surprise for me with the podcast has been like actually hearing from people and people commenting in my Instagram feed. And, you know, like I know these people by their Instagram names now. I right. know them. Right. I know you, Vegan Bunny. I know you. <laughs> She's coming to training with I me. I know. Yeah. I know that. And, you know, there's a lot of them. And so that has been awesome and, and has like – definitely kept me like continue to be inspired in my practice knowing that there's people out there just just like me yeah but but you got it and and but there's one more thing I want to tag on which is you know from having not just been in a relationship with you for a long time but having a professional relationship that precedes that one of the things that I see and have seen over the years is people in the yoga world that create content and that provide editorial review, editors, publishers don't get thanked. Yeah, you're sort of you know behind I mean? a curtain. It, you're behind a of, curtain, right? Yeah. So, so in some ways, the yoga teacher, because we're directly interfacing with the student, we get thanked. And it's still really nice. You know, it's still really nice. But I think that we are, as yoga teachers, we regularly get positive reinforcement right? Whereas for editors, I remember for so long, you just not really thinking like you were contributing that much to the world of yoga just because, and you had a reach that no yoga teacher could have <laughs> yeah. really ever had. Yeah. But because you were behind that curtain, you didn't get the direct feedback. So it's nice yeah. to see. I mean, mostly what we got were complaints, right? <laughs> right, right, Seriously. right. In that medium. You know, I mean, Which that's isn't to just say that people didn't appreciate it. Yeah. But yeah, people in that medium. If someone's going to bother to write a letter, put it in an envelope, <laughs> address it, and put a stamp on it, they're usually pretty pissed off about something. Yeah. You know? Do you remember that one where someone said that they fell asleep in Padmasana? No. For eight hours? No. And... Yeah, you gave God. it to me and I had it cut out and hung on the wall for a long time. Okay, here's the one that I remember because, I mean, this is pretty funny. When Hillary Dowdle was the editor-in-chief, she 
got this letter from this woman who cut out a bunch of different cover photos and it would be like, you know, just the body or just the head and all these heads all over the page and with these arrows pointing to their mouths. And she's like, you make your models smile too much, too many (laughs) smiles. And it was just heads all over the page. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So I want to ask you, so did you foresee that possibility of now receiving more direct positive feedback? Like, did you see that coming? I don't think I did. I think I- Because um, you just didn't have a benchmark for it. Yeah, I just, I really didn't. And and like you said, I've been writing for years and I even writing for our blog, I've written some really personal stuff. You know, I wrote about like that early piece about breast cancer is probably like the most personal thing I've ever written. And I got a lot of good response, but it just doesn't feel as like, it didn't feel as much like a direct conversation as the podcast does. So I, I couldn't have anticipated that and what right. that feels like. So so let me ask you this. So are there some of some challenges that you've experienced this year doing this podcast that you that you didn't anticipate? No, I mean the the biggest challenge is the technical side and I anticipated that that would be a challenge. So that remains to be the biggest challenge. I would say that when I'm in my groove, it's really not a challenge. It's it's totally like this is what I've been building up for for all these years. You know, the content just comes to me and it feels really natural. And, you know, everyone I've reached out to has just been amazing about like getting back to me and scheduling things. And I know how hard that can be. But when I get away from it a little bit, I um, I think for the first time lately, I've been feeling just the first like little twinges of self-doubt that just happen in a creative process. Of course. Right? Like, like when you get good feedback, you're actually like, oh, well, they liked that. Well, do I do more of that? But what was my idea? Was my idea different from that? Or is, are they merging together? Or am I, you know, it's, there's a little bit of that as I'm like planning next year's programming. Well, two things. One, there's a shadow side, a big time shadow side. Yeah. That comes from receiving adulation. One of it is you get attached to it. Even if you don't think you're going to get attached to it, you get attached to it. And if 100 people tell you they like X, but only 50 people tell you they like Y, then it's really hard to not get involved in some mind game about X being more valuable than Y. Yes. Right? And you actually, as the creator, might actually like Y more. Yeah. And every yoga teacher that I know of, we've always had this feeling. We've taught some class that the whole time we just thought was an abomination. Like we wanted to cry, we wanted to run out. We just knew that this was not only the worst class that we've ever taught, but an, a, just a Travis, a crime committed against humanity. And the whole class afterwards tells you how great it is. And then we have the opposite of this, which is we teach a class where we just think, oh my God, like this is through all my doubt, I am meant to do this. This is amazing. And no one, there's no high five. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you yeah. know, so, so, but then the other part to this is it's difficult then to maintain intellectual integrity as the content creator. It's because what you might start to do is you might start to like bait. You know, you might start to figure out, oh, people like X, so I need to do more of X. Right. And, and I think it's important. It's a, it's a shadow side, but it's a possibility that we 
in the creative world allow page views or likes or direct feedback to overly influence our uh, content decisions moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely tricky. And it's, I mean, the one good thing is that I am accustomed to it because that's definitely how magazines are set up too. You know, you've got like, you have your departments that are always just winners. Like right. for us, it was always like the physical departments, the right. awesome de- asana based departments, like everyone loves those. And then you have your well, your feature well stories that like your mom reads and loves, right? <laughs> right. But but the one that you really felt passionately about. So you have to kind of, I think it's just a balancing act. And I I remember actually when Mati was selling Yoga Works, she said to me, you know, I'm just tired of like having to put the hot fast flow at six totally. o'clock every night of the week. Totally. I want more people to go to the Iyengar classes and they're, you know, so it's that, it's that kind of thing. It's definitely there everywhere. Yeah. So <clears throat> not to put you on the spot too much, but to put you on the spot, what are some of, what's some of the wish list, some of the quick, easy wish list for 2017, either in terms of people or content or some thoughts that you'd like to to do? Is there anything, I mean, obviously this is an evolutionary thing and every year you're gonna wanna do slightly new and different things, yeah. but any, just two, yeah. or th- just two or three things that come to mind sure. for next year. Well, I, um, I'm excited to talk to Kate Holcomb again. We did an initial conversation and um, that was a beautiful one where people loved it and I, I loved it and talking to her. So for people that don't know Kate Holcomb. And Kate Holcomb, um, she studied with TKV Desika Char for 25 years directly. She was one of his one-on-one students. And so she's her one, her favorite thing to teach is the Yoga Sutras. And so that's what we focused on in the last conversation was kind of sutras that got her through breast cancer treatment. And then looking forward, we are um we're planning another one that we're gonna do soon. So that I'm very excited about. On the totally opposite end of the spectrum, I'm dying to talk to Jason Niemer of Acro Yoga. I thought you were going to say Jason Crandall. And I was going to say, we can, <laughs> we can make that we happen. We can make that happen if you'd have me back. Have you asked him? I haven't. I just, I haven't asked him yet because okay. I'm really trying to figure out in my head how to bring what he does to life yeah. on a podcast yeah. and audio no, format. I just adore him. Like he is just so sweet and so capable and he's done so much with that practice like all around the world so he that's has nice jackets does he <laughs> yeah he i does, didn't actually. know that yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> good style good yeah. outerwear it's always important in a guest totally so yes um so jason niemer and i have a lot of others good a lot of others yes right. well, we'll i'd wait like to on do one on sugar him. i'd like to do one with a nutritionist about like um talking all about sugar and and you know, like eating sweets mindfully, figuring out other forms of sweeteners and... Um... Eating sweets mindfully. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm because... I'm really tasting the sweetness of because... this. Because... <laughs> I'm really it's like the Saturday Night Live skit. Sweaty <laughs> mm. <laughs> balls. It's from the Saturday Night Live okay. skit. Okay, All anyway. Right, I just flinched. Sorry, it's gone too far.
so how about you? So let's talk about your year a little bit. You had a big year, lots of travel. Yeah. And a 300-hour training that you did this past year. A 300-hour training in San Francisco and then the completion of a 300-hour training in London. I think a couple of things come up for me, which is it's sometimes it's difficult for me to pause long enough to take in and reflect on what I've already done. You know, it's I'm finding that this is something that I'm wanting to be better at because I so quickly and so often get on to the next thing. And I am very, I just don't spend much time mentally in the past. And I probably spend too much time in the future. So it's nice to sort of take a moment to go back and think um, the beginning of 2016, I finished uh, the third module of a 300-hour teacher training in London at Trioga. And you know this, that, that I have tons of great studio partners. I mean, I am so happy to have studio partners and there are relationships that I've cultivated over the years that are professionally and personally satisfying. And it in, in London really feels, Trioga really feels like a really a home away from home. I, I I calculated the hours this year and I have taught over a thousand hours in that studio. Oh wow. So I mean a ton, you know, I've taught a ton there. Um I have a great group of students there who are really becoming not just great teachers, but professionally skillful and smart and savvy. A bunch come to mind, but two, but two just two Adams come off the mat, mind. Adam Hawk and Adam Hustler, both really, really doing well. And you know, they were both people that had had everything intact. But I think that those programs helped give them the confidence to present themselves consistently and just sort of go for the professional side of thing with integrity, but just be really good, focused, consistent teachers. And so I feel really happy and proud of that. And then I. I taught my first 300-hour program here in San Francisco, and that was just so hugely satisfying for me to be able to do it at home in this city that I love without having to be away from you guys at night. And so many students from that program that I've worked with in shorter weekend capacities to have them come for, you know, three 100 hour increments for me is just so totally ideal. So that was great. I'm really proud of the people that graduated in July. And then a bunch of domestic cities. I was in Chicago this year, Chicago really recently, which was really good. That was a really successful thing. Detroit, you know, I love teaching in the Midwest. Yeah. Cleveland, <laughs> Cleveland for the first time in over 10 years. Wow. Cleveland was one of the first places that I taught. I taught for an old-time teacher who was a student of Rodney's name, Bhumi, huh. B-H-U-M-I. It means something in Sanskrit, okay. but I'm having a, a, my Sanskrit dictionary is not currently uploaded in okay. my brain. <laughs> so it was good to go back there. Yeah, it's been over 10 years. And um, New York was really, really fun. I did a three-day teacher renewal in New York, a three-day teacher renewal in London. Both of those filled really good. I haven't really told, I haven't announced it in any capacity, but I also filmed a new teacher training and, on, and filmed a new online teacher training for Yoga Glow that will release early 2017 focused on arm balances and inversions. So there'll be more about that. So I feel, 
I feel like my teaching has been clear. Yeah. It's been really clear and consistent and I have felt confident and focused. Yeah. And I don't always feel that way. I don't always feel confident. I don't always feel focused, but teaching this is the 20 year mark and I feel like I feel like even on my difficult days I still feel like it's good. I can't believe you've been teaching yoga for 20 years. I can't years. either. I can't either. It's ridiculous. You were just the young guy when anymore, I met you. Which is something like, I'm dealing with. Yeah. You want to talk about low lights? <laughs> no. No, I don't. I don't. But I do want to ask I, you. But you know what? In, in all sincerity, I I get a little frustrated with my body. We were talking about this yesterday. But I, emotionally and mentally and professionally, I like my age. I'm, I'm, hap- I'm really actually happy that I'm not in my early 20s or my mid 20s or my 30s. I just, there's just a sense of self. I think that, that you know, we have listeners, you have listeners from a big, big range, but I just finally have a sense of myself that people can take or leave. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, I just sort of am who I am and I teach what I teach and I just feel good about it. And I feel good that there's a lot of other excellent yoga teachers that, can take care of other people's needs as well. Do their thing. Yeah. Yeah. It is a beautiful part of aging. The hard, cold truth is that anything that we practice, we become more skillful at. And it, it's it's true about life too. Yeah. It's true about life, you yeah. know? Not to mention the fact that I do think parenthood like really ups most people's game. It tempers you. Well, and I am just so much more efficient at everything I do. Yeah. It's like it cuts it to the quick. What is the absolute, ne- you know, what is the just bare necessity of what I need to do next? Because yeah. that's all I really have time yeah. for. Yeah. Yeah. So just going back for a moment. So the teacher renewal, I know that you really enjoy teaching me. It's like, yeah. tell me what it is. It's kind, it's kind of a new thing that you've been doing in the past year. Um, so what is it that you really like about them? Well, okay. There's a couple things. So first, I call them a teacher renewal program rather than a teacher training because at some point I just sort of said to myself, it's really in some ways like you were talking about early in this in this episode, which was that yoga teachers don't just need more training. I mean, we all need more training, but we don't just need more training. We need re-inspiration mm. and we need to be able to not just take in more technical information from the teacher teaching the training. We need to be able to get together as colleagues and to talk a little bit about our challenges. You know, I mean, it's, it's really simple. I'll get around and I'll say, are right, you guys, what's going well for you? Mm. You know, what's not going well for you? How's your practice? What's your practice look like? Are you happy? You know, and just to sit around and, and with a group of teachers and to, to have straightforward clear, honest conversations that isn't about our wish list or what we think we say, look, what, how are you guys doing with social media? Like, are you enjoying it? What are your stumbling blocks? How does it make you feel? You know what I mean? To, to have conversations where we get to, it's not that everyone gets to commiserate, but where everyone gets to hear all of the other teachers talk a little bit about in the room about their experience of being a teacher in the modern era. And what we remember when we do this is that we have a sh- more of a shared experience than we think. 
you know, and yoga teachers get very disconnected from each other. We get a little competitive of each other, not sort of under the surface. We get a little jealous of each. I, I do. I get a little jealous. Um, I, we get a little insecure. I get a little insecure. And so to sort of to hear everyone talk through those things is I don't want to make it sound like group therapy because it's more than that. But to to actually have structured conversations about our experience as yoga professionals is huge. Yeah. It's a big deal. And it's also nice. So in the morning, what we do too, the classes we do in the morning, you know, usually in a teacher training, the first hour of the morning practice, I lecture. I say, okay, we're going to focus on shoulders today. And we're going to focus on these components of shoulders. And we're going to look at these injuries and blah, blah, blah. And then we do a practice. But what I say for the renewal program, I say, you know what, we're going to do, we're going to sit for 20 minutes. And then we're going to do a two and a half hour practice. I'm not going to tell you what it is because I just want you to be a student morning. You just get to be a student, big, full class. Just trust me. Don't worry about learning anything. Just get in practice. And then afternoon we have structured conversation. And then, and then it's sort of like greatest hits, like sequencing things to improve verbal cues, things to improve anatomy, technique, things to improve. So it's just a really nice combination, but it's those, the thing that stands out to me are those peer-to-peer conversations. Again, it's probably what you wish you had had. It's like you're creating what you wish totally you had had. And yeah. it is, and in some ways, like, I'm a teacher too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I get to participate in these conversations. I get to listen to everyone. I'm not like somehow devoid of the challenges that other yeah. teachers experience. Yeah. I have the same challenges. Mm-hmm. And so from so I get to be part of those conversations. And I also think it's really helpful for people, you know, despite my best efforts, sometimes people don't realize that I and other teachers that have acquired a certain amount of professional equity, people don't realize that we struggle too, that we have insecurity too, that we have fears too, that we have challenges too, that we have body issues too. And so for me, it's it's really nice to be able to be on to truly be on the level and just tell people what I still struggle with because they want to know because people want to know like, hey, you, you, you've done this longer than most of the people in this room. So what's going well for you? What's a challenge for you? Mm-hmm. And, and then it helps people have a realistic picture. You know, I want especially when I teach 300 hour programs. I want people to have a realistic picture of what this job is. Yeah. Professionally and personally. And so when I'm able to discuss what what works well for me, what doesn't work well for me, what are my successes, what are my challenges, it helps people have a realistic set of expectations of what they're in for. When we know what we're in for in a vocation, then we can be we can be more skillful in navigating and more accepting of our experience. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that makes yeah. sense. So these, I think these are these are really nice, and I'll do a, I'll do a bunch more. I'm going to do four more next year. Oh, four more of the teacher renewal. Yeah, yeah, L.A., New York, somewhere in the Midwest. I'm hoping Chicago, and then oh, London. 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 But London's already full. London next year in March is full. Okay. But the other ones aren't. What else would you like to talk about that's coming up next year? Because we have some things that are 
still in stealth mode that you may or may not want to talk about. And then you you have things that are on the schedule. Well, I have I've been you know, I've been making this clear. I've been hinting at having an online mentoring program and I I want how do I phrase it? So, okay. So, one of the opportunities that I have and a lot of teachers have with travel. Okay, for example, with travel. The upside of travel is it's more uh, pr- this, the profit is larger and it's nice to go places and nice and nice to meet people. And it's nice to have, you know, over the course of the weekend, 12 to 15 hours to drop in more or less with the same group of people and, and teach the downside to that, other than the, you know, the personal side, the downside of that is then I have this really good, strong engagement with people for a weekend and then I'm gone. Yeah. And then a good, strong engagement with people for a weekend and then I'm gone. Mm-hmm. So what I want to be able to do is I want to have more scenarios where I can continue to engage, where people where there's a strong connection in Chicago or Detroit or wherever it is. I want people to, I want to have more interactive online engagement. My Yoga Glow stuff is um, is so nice and I'm so unbelievably thankful for those relationships. And I want to have an online environment where there's a little bit more interactivity. So that's it. So yeah. so I so I'm I'm trying to develop this. But you also know that I'm a bit of a perfectionist, and I want to have everything figured out to the T before I launch it. So yeah. that's it. Well, I'm glad you announced it because that means we've said it in public, so we have to make it happen. Oh, it's been on the website for a <laughs> I decade. know, but it's still different to actually talk about it and say that it's it is uh, pending. I'm probably going to go back to Maui again too. Oh, yeah, good. Yeah, good. That's always a good I think trip. That's it. Yeah. I mean, my, my, I have another 300 hour mm-hmm. program in London at the end of next year. I'm initiating another 300 hour program. So there's a hundred hour module, October, 2017 at home away from home, try yoga. Okay. So all that stuff. I'm yeah. really excited about all that stuff. And then what about, um, on a personal level, like even if it's like personal related to your profession, do you have any thoughts about do you do do you do New Year's resolutions? I know the answer to this question, but um, I don't. Yeah, because I'm the reason I don't. This is gonna sound. This is gonna sound so obnoxious. This is either not, or it is gonna sound really obnoxious. I actually feel like I spend so much time throughout the year, always sort of um, self evaluating and course correcting. Like it's a way that I'm neurotic, mm-hmm. right? I don't just like let things, I don't just like wheel and deal and whatever. Like I am a very restrained and planned person. Mm-hmm. And I spent a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. I wish everyone here could see the look on Andrea's face. Uh, it is a very knowing look. Like she get, just got me to divulge some secret. Okay. But so I, again, I just sort of feel like I spend so much time always course correcting anyways that I don't make so much of a New Year's resolution, but maybe I should. No, but, I mean, no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not taking. But what's I'm not, fun? What's ironic about this is that you could, because I'm, I'm smiling for two reasons. I'm smiling because of the irony that you haven't actually thought that maybe your New Year's resolution could be to like have more fun. Mm, no. 
<laughs> and I'm also smiling because <laughs> I'm also smiling because that's basically my New Year's resolution. But I'm so I am just as neurotic as you that I have like a two part kind of intention slash slash resolution represented by two words. One is organize and the other one is joy. (laughs) And right, because I feel like we're just getting our house organized. We're just getting the podcast organized. We're getting our online stuff organized, getting Sophia organized for school. I want to get organized in terms of political action this year. Um, But when I get too into all of that, it's like I need to deprogram myself. I need to completely stop the like mad to-do list conditioning and unravel. Yeah. See friends. What? what? Go to movies. What? (laughs) Why would you do those things? (laughs) Um, No, I would like, I guess theoretically I'd like to do those things too. Yeah. You know, I enjoy my work and I think, okay, so here's the thing for me. I'm going to backpedal it a little bit. I get an incredible amount of satisfaction, personal satisfaction from being industrious, right? Now, that being said, I also make myself suffer, right? So, and I don't think, we have sort of go back and forth. My anxieties are most contained. When I have created a structure, when I have something that I am trying to accomplish, And when I am working towards accomplishing that thing and I don't even need to accomplish it, but it's sort of like I do well with organization and structure and being like really um, overtly purposeful. I don't do as well with sort of big open ended free form time and space. Right. Yeah. So, so the interesting thing is like to have more fun I sort of need to value it more. You know what I mean? Like I almost need to see it as like, uh, I don't want anyone listening to think I have a sad, pathetic. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I know this is like sort of, yeah. yeah. Okay. But anyways, okay. So New Year's um, in terms of personal stuff, it would be, I would like to be able to focus m- even more on training in martial arts. I'd like to be able to do a belt progression. I'd like to have more time to really dedicate to that and and then do the sort of rest side of the stuff because it's very uh, physically demanding, more more so than other things that I, more so than Austin or other things that I do. And then, yeah, I, I'm maybe I'll, maybe I'll uh, put joy on the spreadsheet. Yeah, we can both do that. We're right. both so, we're so alike. It's scary. I know. Like when you said you get joy from being industrious, I was like, how have I never, that should be the motto on the outside of our home. Like that's just- Yeah, but also sounds a little SS too. <laughs> I mean, it really does. Like I- <laughs> I was just thinking it sounded nerdy. I didn't even think no, about that. Oh, God. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. There's layers to this. Yeah. Well, anyway, thank you all so much, you know, for listening um, to us and for your comments for your reviews. Oh, I didn't do my shout outs. I'll do my shout outs to the review people in the next episode. You see, I wasn't organized enough. That's why I'm going into my organization mode. Wake up at 3am and worry about it. I will. I will. I, I, I'm good at that. No, but in all seriousness, it just means the world to me that you are listening and that we're connected and that the podcast is, is a part of your life. And I look forward to more episodes in the coming year. 
I'm going to put show notes for this episode. There are a few things that we can link to at yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 29. And until next week, enjoy your practice. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year.